The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we will cover the latest in Austin FC news, including the first preseason games of 2024. We're also going to talk about the kit leak for the Austin FC 2024 away kit that... uh, was probably not supposed to be made public, but was. And then we're also going to be joined by Michelle Sanchez for uh, a little interview a bit later on as well. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley, and I want to talk to y'all about doing another live show, which we teased and then took back, and we were ready to officially announce again. So ignore everything you've heard from us before on February 3rd. February 13th at starting at 6 p.m. Join us at the Amplify branch at Esperanza for sort of a happy hour hangout conversation, live recording. Just get together with your soccer friends and neighbors and getting ready for the season. Uh, and for your takes a list of questions, we think it'll be a lot of fun. And it will be in a, in a temperature controlled environment as requested after the New Year's Day show. Absolutely. Uh, this is going to be a. Uh, a capacity event there is limited space available so we'll throw that link in the show notes to rsvp but like i said we are going to have to cap it so be sure and and sign up for that if you're interested in joining but it should be a good time so we look forward to seeing you there yeah and i think this is going to be this year i'm excited about this year because like this is the first event and i think we've got a lot of other cool stuff plan coming up like for folks who listen and ways to engage on this podcast um and beyond that and then we also want to plug an event that a friend of ours has coming up very soon and that's steph carniola and it is oh it's got a great name and now i've forgotten again landed fem ls is the title Fim of LS. this event yeah. this is happening saturday february 3rd at 12 p.m central time and this is going to be a webinar to address the gender imbalance in mls coverage uh, and so it's going to be a panel of creators led by Moon Tower family member, Steph Crignola. There's going to be uh, talking about podcasts, articles, blogs, video, photography, whatever it is. If you're interested in joining the ranks of, of women covering MLS, Steph is going to try to bring some folks together to kind of workshop ways in, in which you can do that. So uh, really excited to see what comes out of this, but we're going to throw that link also in the show notes. If you're interested in checking that out, be sure to register for that as well. All right. Well, we had kind of a busy week, actually, uh, and a lot of stuff to cover. You mentioned the kit leak, uh, and I have a sort of a personal FIFA-related story. Like, uh, sorry, EFC-related story to tell about that. But let's maybe start off with the Austin FC News of the Week. We finally have some preseason games. Um, and I think every year we talk about how preseason doesn't matter. And then we get into preseason and we overanalyze everything that happened in preseason. So, Len, let's kick it off by talking about the two matches this week. Austin currently undefeated, so uh, clearly in the lead for the Supporter Shield based upon two performances in Fort Lauderdale, one win, one and draw. That's right. 1-1 against Philly, 2-1 against FC Cincinnati. If we had lost, I'd be saying... Don't pay attention to preseason. It doesn't matter. That's not what these games are for. But because we beat two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, then uh, Copa Tejas style, these are the most important games of the year. The most important games of the year. No doubt. So the the Philly draw was the game on, what was it? 
uh, Monday. Does it sound right? Uh, I don't know. Last week. Whatever. Last week. That, that <laughs> match last week. Um, and in that one, is that the one we got the Danny Ferreira goal? Was that the Philly the Philly match? Yes. Danny Ferreira netted Austin's lone girl early, girly early in the second half, which was uh, the one that nodded up with an assist from Hector Herrera. Hector Herrera. Hector Jimenez. Hector Herrera will not be assisting anybody <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> Hector Jimenez. Uh, yeah, I don't so, know. What, what did we learn out of that one? Yeah, so, I mean, I think a lot of times looking at this, you're, you're hoping to see, I mean, for me specifically, I'm hoping to see, like, tactical adjustments. How are they lining up? What are they doing? We didn't get to see any of that, really. So, mostly what we learned is lineups and maybe guessing about who's playing where based on those lineups. Um, but a lot of it is guessing. What we do know is that it seems to be a mixed 11. So it's not like they put out the best 11 and like, these are clearly the starters. These are clearly the backups. They seem to be mixing guys in to two groups. And I, I mean, I think there's, there's good reasons to do that. Partially you want to create an environment of competition and not saying like, okay, you guys are definitely the starters. Like, no, no, no you have to show me you're the starter this year. And so I think that's part of it, but also you don't just to give like some of the guys who aren't maybe considered starters right now to give them a chance to be able to play with some of the better players. I think there's, there's several good reasons for kind of mixing these teams in and then we'll get into uh, media availability that was done while the team is in Florida. But one thing John Gallagher said was um, I don't think you should read too much into how we were playing or like formations or anything. These are mostly just to get minutes in guys legs. Like that's what these games are for. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't think we can learn a ton from them really. Yeah. And particularly these games, I think when we get into the games, uh, probably not necessarily the games in, uh, well, maybe the games in California, the games in California where you're getting a little bit closer to the start of the season. I feel like right. that's when you see a little bit more of the, lineups as you expect to see but right now they're exactly they're getting everybody in the field that might be a part of the first team minutes and i think you see a lot of minutes from the fc2 guys um maybe more than you would otherwise just because those if anybody has anything to to prove and like any way to make an opportunity out of the preseason like to shine and honestly like maybe the financially benefit is like it's the fc2 guys like this yeah. is their this is their chance to make an advantage like you know what you're going to get from john Gallagher. you don't know what you're going to get from Sebastian Pinau or the trial, the trial is too in the same way. Right. So one thing we did see in this Philadelphia game is trialist Antonio Gomez, who I believe we did not know. We, we referred to him as the tall one on last week's yes. show. Uh, some really good investigative work from Zach from the North end pod. I don't know how he figured out who this guy was, but figured out it is Antonio Gomez from uh, Cal Baptist is where this guy came from, was not on the list for players eligible in the draft. I don't know what that's about. I kind of assume just every senior player was eligible for the draft, but his name was not on this list, but had a pretty good career at Cal Baptist. Not, not like the biggest program in college soccer, but not a small one either. And then we're also seeing check Torre getting, uh, a, a start, I guess, we're again, take start with a grain of salt, but playing there, Sebastian Pino as the only striker in that game that played it all. Um, and then Chris Garcia, who is one of the new signings for Austin FC2, coming over from 
El Paso. He, it looks like maybe got the run out at striker. Uh, we'll talk more about the striker position later on. But then Sal Mazzaferro getting in there, Alonso Ramirez getting in there, maybe playing like fullback based on just a list of 11 names. Um, and then Val Noel as well playing uh, and being very involved in in preseason from what we've seen so far. So um, talking about Philadelphia, this is a bit of a caveat here, but Brandon Craig, Austin FC Loney last year, but belongs to Philadelphia Union, was not involved in these games. Um, he was reported as being on loan, or not on loan, on trial at Everton, who is in the English Championship this year. And a lot of folks online were saying like, you mean we had a guy who's going to go play in the championship on loan and we didn't play him. And there's reports this week saying he's actually going to go on loan to El Paso locomotive of USL. And that sounds a bit more on par for what I saw of the film that I watched of him. I mean, like I've always said, Brandon Craig is going to be a guy who might play for Everton in two, three, four years, but USL is, probably about his level at this point in time. And I say that just to maybe counter some of the hand-wringing about Austin FC not putting this kid in to get minutes for Austin this year. Um, He's not an MLS player at this point. And I think this just goes to prove that he's Philadelphia doesn't want to play him. They're not even going to play him in preseason games. They're saying, we don't want you on the first team. Go get some minutes elsewhere. Go check MLS. Yeah, now I do because I, I, we have at least one listener who's an Everton fan. They're probably going to be in the championship next year. They are in the Premier League this year. Oh, they're in the pre- Premier League this year. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah they're Premier League this year. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Because they, they got the points deduction. Questionable. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. questionable okay. whether they're going to stay up. But for now, they're Premier League. Rob Mickish, before you text me tomorrow morning at like <laughs> 6 a.m. <laughs> no, I defended your club. Yeah, sorry. But I mean, like, even then, like, the English Championship is still. In the oh, still, spectrum no, of still world very, football, yeah. it is a high level. And like, I was I was yeah. kind of surprised to hear that he was on trial there because, again, he's going to be a good player, but I don't think he's even good enough to play in MLS at this point, much less the English Championship, like uh, the what should be like the top end of that league next year, right? So, what about the FC Cincinnati game? Is there anything different we learned there? So I guess we got Jesse Zardes back. There were some injuries including right, Sardes right. and Vicenin. Vicenin did not play in the second game either. It, Based on what Wolf said, it seems like this is precautionary more than anything. Just these guys, both, especially Zardes being the only proper striker on the first team at the moment, um, just being extra caref- careful with these guys. And I, I, it kind of sounded like Vicenin was in the same boat. Like It's probably not anything serious, but we don't want to push him if we don't have to. John Kolmanich was also held out of these games, but Wolf said that he will take part in the games in California in February. Yeah, so I think the yeah the preseason health is not a concern. I mean, man, this is one part where I try not to get too excited about people being good in the spring. But in the second game, we had a uh, Val Noel goal, and then we had a CJ Fodre assist. So they like FC two guys both contributing to both goals um, that led to the victory. And like in my head, I know there's a big gap between the levels of play, but like in my heart, I really would love to see this obvious talent gap that Austin has 
be filled by like Val Noel or CJ Fodre or even like a guy like Sal Mazzaferro who just, you know, excels beyond their, this is something you have to do to be good too. Like they excel beyond their, their pay or sort of like their expected level, like to make, to make a better season for us FC in 2024 than 2023. Because that feels more palatable, palatable to me than relying on like any summer acquisitions we have like hitting. Yeah, well, these guys are going to, they have the opportunity now, right? Like, this is their shot. Because Austin is is so low on first-team players right now, these guys are going to get the preseason minutes. And if they can show that they belong with this first-team group, there are contracts to be earned. Like, it, it's a very realistic possibility for them to get those. But they will have to earn them. They're not going to just be given them. And I think this this is their chance to show, like, Josh Wolf said in that first media availability that CJ came in super fit and looked really good. Um, Val Noel, again, we've talked about his like international status that that might be a hurdle for him getting that first team contract, but these guys are going to get a chance to show what they can do and, and potentially earn that first team contract. I mean, CJ already has it. CJ's fighting for playing time essentially, but guys like Val, Czech Torre, uh, Sebastian P- Pino, maybe to a lesser extent are, fighting for more money and a, and a higher, higher competition level. Yeah. And I just hope, I hope that at least one of them converts on that. Cause for Austin to overperform expectations, they're going to need success to come out of nowhere. And these seems like the, the best opportunity to do that. So let's talk about the rest of the preseason. So on February 3rd, this weekend, uh, Austin's going to host Louisville city, which is going to be relevant to uh, a bit of news that we actually got today. We appreciate Austin dropping news on a Monday as opposed to teasing it. <laughs> Uh, this is a closed door at Q2, like opened up basically like club official club partners only. So I think this is something that I know they did it last year. Um, this is being something to do again. Then, then Austin goes to California, plays against Chicago on February 7th against LA galaxy on the 11th. And we, um, got news today that this one will be available for fans to stream. And I think Phil's going to be there too. That's get right. news on both those things today. Um, and then February 14th against New York Red Bulls. I guess the good thing about these California games is, although we're not, they're, they are open to the public, they're not going to be streamed, but we should probably get more news from more sources about them and maybe see a little bit more about what this club is going to be in the context of what you can learn from preseason as opposed to piecing together what we can from random like blog reports and stuff like we've done for the first two matches. Yeah. Uh, so there is also media availability announced this week on Tuesday, the day this show comes out. So we can't report any of that, but there was media availability via zoom from Florida last week. What are some of the things that we learned from that media availability with Josh Wolf and then, uh, John Gallagher and Yohan Valencia? Yeah. One of the things that we heard, we got a lot of talk about, or that we saw a lot of talk a lot about is this discussion on striker depth and maybe an absolute statement that Austin wouldn't add any. And I feel like this is more like Josh Wolf's imprecise. Josh Wolf cares a lot less about the preciseness of his answers than all the rest of us who are listening to them do. So he says, I think whoever we get, if we get one, there's a chance we certainly don't get one. And then right now there's no plans to bring in the striker, at least not in the near future. I think it's the thing that everybody's concerned. Like generally everybody's concerned about the attack and where the goals are come from. And I guess what I take out of that is that 
we're probably not going to get a striker during this window, which I believe would be consistent with what we've talked about and heard about um, all preseason, but that this puts on the definitely puts on the table like adding talent in the summer. Yeah, I mean, I I think you could also read it as because there are like fairly credible reports that Austin made a bid for Miguel Borja in Argentina like this window, right? And so him saying like, yeah, we're we're not going after anyone, but then there being reports of them actually going after someone, it to me that reads as potentially, who knows what the truth is, but as like maybe we'll go after the right person, but we're not going to just sign somebody no matter what this window. Like it's got to be the right fit, the right timing, the right money. All all of that needs to fit if someone's going to come in this window. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. The truth could be somewhere in between there. But Wolf is saying like, yeah, we don't have any plans right now. So maybe that's right. We did get a report from listener Kevin Trahan, who was in Argentina and went to a river game the other day and his Borja scouting report. He said Borja got the biggest cheer during lineup announcements and then also scored a goal. And he, he followed that up with price just went up. (laughs) And so, yeah, who who knows if they're still pursuing this guy, but uh, he's still scoring goals and the fans seem to still like him there. Yeah. And the other thing about Josh's comments is, and this is true across the board, he definitely uh, talked about that this is not his call anymore either. Like, he's just yeah. relating the information he's had from Bill Phil Burrell, and that Burrell's in charge of all of that, and maybe he... I find it hard to believe he's not intimately aware of the negotiations that Aaron might not be going on, but it gives himself... Like, yeah. he's he's not... You know, I don't know. He gave himself some cover. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, in other... Austin FC striker wishes or rumors or whatever you want to call it. Danny Masofsky is a guy who a lot of Austin FC fans wanted to go after. There's reports now. I don't think this is official yet, but reports that he's going to sign with the Seattle Sounders. I know. I don't. Jeremiah, have you seen any actual numbers reported of like what he's asking for? Because I've seen some Austin FC fans throw around some numbers that seem way too low as far as what kind of salary Musafsi is going to be looking for. No, I ha- I have not seen anything from like reading the athletic or, or just checking around on Twitter or whatever to have an idea of what it would be. I've seen 300 to 350,000 thrown around. And that like, so the story of Danny Musafsi is he was at LAFC. They sold him to or traded him to RSL. He like left RSL camp, wasn't going to, practices for a while because he wanted a contract extension and didn't feel like RSL was taking that seriously, was not offering him enough money. So he was on a hundred thousand dollars last year, which for a guy who scored at the rate he does at the age he is like, that's way too little. And so, yeah, if you're saying like, okay, just like triple his salary and that's good for some players, maybe that's right. But for a striker, like, I feel like he's going to be able to get over 600,000, if not more than that for the kind of numbers he's put up in his career in MLS. So um, again, like, like he probably would have been a decent pickup, but just with the, the spending restraints that we're on at the moment, if you 
get a guy like Masofsky, like that's it. For He's Seattle, totally. Yeah. For Seattle, they have Rui Diaz, who Musowski can spell, can uh, come in late in games or whatever, or just like start in place of sometimes. That's a really good setup. And I mean, if if I'm Musowski, I'm picking Seattle over Austin right now too. But like coming, if if Austin picks up a guy like Musowski, I think he's going to be more expensive than what some folks are expecting him to be, and that's just going to like be your guy. Maybe that's fine, but maybe it's not too. And if you want Musowski and a guy like Borja or someone else in the summer, I don't know that you can necessarily do both of those things. No, absolutely not. Um, move on to Sebastian Pino. We've talked about this one game, but Josh did not seem super excited about how he played. He said he did okay. And this this is copying Phil West. Wolf said with a, a hint of reservation in his voice that he did okay. I, yeah, I don't know if you heard the tone that he said it in. He was... He sounded like he was doing Pino a favor by saying he did by okay. Saying okay. <laughs> the, the tone he said it in did not sound flattering to Sebastian Pino. And then we get the very like wolfy Josh Wolf kind of uh talk about Danny Pereira um in that I guess what I take there's it's a very long quote. I'm not gonna read it all, but what I take out of this is to be there's a ton of potential. Danny's shown a lot of growth. Josh still thinks Danny has a lot of work to do to realize where he can be and sort of puts a responsibility on Danny to make that work happen. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that that's what I took from it. And I'm I personally agree with that. Like as good as Danny has been, I think he could be a lot more. And like this is he's getting to the age where that's like this is the year he kind of needs to make it happen. I think his his career could go a couple of directions. I think his like floor is probably something like uh, you look at a guy like Kellen Acosta, who when he was younger, really high hopes, was getting into the like national team conversations, and then had this period where his career kind of got off track. And it seems like now Acosta's going to be like a career MLS guy, which nothing wrong with that, but. I think Danny Pereira's ceiling will become obvious in the next year and a half or so. And so he really does need to take a step. Like if he, if people are thinking he's going to get sold to Europe and like go play in a top four or five league and play for a really good team like that, like this is kind of the season that he needs to show that he's capable of that. And so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he can do this year. And and I saw some criticism about, um, I mean, there's criticism about the way Josh Wolf is using Pereira. Definitely, I saw some criticism about the like these comments, and I think to your point, like if Danny Pereira is going to go to Europe and play in a top five league, like that's largely on Danny, and like the coach can help him be a good, really good career MLS player. But like, there's just it's a different level, and so I don't think there's anything wrong with like talking about that responsibility being on him to realize like his ultimate his ultimate ceiling. Yeah, I think I and we I think Wolf said this in that press conference that they did play him. It seems like maybe they're playing like a 4-3-3 with I think Ring was either Ring or Valencia on the field with him at the same time, but it seemed like the other guy was playing a bit deeper maybe and and Danny was either playing as one of those dual tins or like kind of a box to box 8 kind of position. And that's I mean that's what a lot of folks have wanted to see. I I disagree that he should be like a full on 10, but if it's like kind of that, that eight or like one of a pair of two and like a four, two, three, one, I'd be happy to see 
Pereira in that spot. But as you said, like these are like degrees of difference, right? It's not like they're playing Danny at center back and like completely squashing his potential. Like he's getting a lot of minutes in the midfield and kind of the general area of where he's going to play for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yep. And so in that press conference, John Gallagher, John Gallagher also got interviewed and you kind of touched on the, the reacting to the preseason. I thought, um, his comment on the U S open cup, I guess it's not surprising, but the frankness of it was interesting that basically the players are kind of left in the dark, uh, on the most of it. He said, we were kind of, this is, who was it? Charles, um, Charles, it was Charles, what, Bane, Boehm? I don't remember uh, how to say it. Charles Boehm, question. So we're kind of in the dark. We're on the same place as you guys. He talked about how in his career, early in his career, having the opportunity to play in the U.S. Open Cup was really meaningful for him. Um, I don't know what to read into it. We know like the U.S. Open Cup says that this uh, conversation is over because the U.S. Open Cup has rejected MLS's proposal to not have first-team players. But it was it's good to hear a player come out and 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 share their opinion on the issue. And I guess the other player news we have to talk about before we sort of take a break and get into the jersey stuff is uh, we like we we do have player news on Monday, which we appreciate those of you from Austin FC who will listen. But it's kind of player news we talked about for a couple of weeks, and this is the official announcement that Damian Loss has signed a long has signed a long term contract. And will be on loan to Louisville City, which I think we talked about maybe last week, the week before, is we think the best outcome for him. Um, then the question becomes, which which you wrote, which I had just looked into, like, will he actually get to play? Because it's not a gimme position to play keeper for Louisville City. Yeah, Louisville City's a a, a good USL team. They're one of one of the clubs that like takes this competition seriously and has a, a, a solid team every year. Uh, I don't know a ton about their goalkeeper, but they had a pretty good defensive record last season. Their goalkeeper is a 25 year old German named uh, Oliver Simla, Simli, Simmel. I don't know how to say his last name, but seems like he's a decent keeper. So it's not like Loss is walking in as the obvious number one necessarily. But I mean, I'm sure Austin FC wouldn't want to send him to a place where they didn't think he's getting any minutes at all, but you probably also don't want him going to a place where he's not going to have to fight a little bit too, right? Yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the... Yeah, I think it's one of the, the good outcomes is you don't want him to go somewhere. I think that was the problem with leaving him at playing for Austin FC too, right? Like, there's no, there's no more challenge in that for him. He's not going to fight. He's clearly established himself as the best player at that level, and what they need from him... And especially now that they have a long-term deal and they have some flexibility, now you've got some time to talk about whether do you extend him? Is he then a goalkeeper of the future now? Can you sell him off like that? Sort of grit and fight becomes very important. Yeah, and then if he doesn't show that progression this year, then you can afford to do it for probably another year and have another loan. And, and until he is ready to be that guy for the first team, now you have a bit of flexibility with that longer-term contract. And so that contract is three guaranteed years with one additional option year. And so that'll put Austin FC's like the timeline of when they have him under contract will put him into the age range of where you would expect him to kind of start showing that he can be that first team starter. So uh, yeah, I think this is really good news for Austin FC. 
All right, well, let's let's take a break, and then we'll talk about the jersey and like just some other general Austin FC tidbits, and then we'll have an interview. All right, hang tight. We'll be right back with more Moon Tower Soccer. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FEF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FEF.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FEF.law. Amplify Credit Unit is a member-owned financial cooperative that serves the needs of Central Texans for over five decades. Amplify's team lives and works in the community, making them the experts on how members can achieve their financial goals. What makes Amplify different? No bank fees. Amplify is the first financial institution in Texas to put an end to bank fees. In 2022, Americans paid almost $8 billion in overdraft fees alone. Millennials pay an average of $336 a year in bank fees, which works out to six Austin FC game tickets per person per year. You'll pay none of those bank fees with Amplify Credit Union. Amplify membership is open to any Texas resident. Learn to trust your bank again at Amplify Credit Union. To learn more, go to www.goamplify.com slash Moontower. Moontower Soccer is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, McGuire Woods Consulting. They help clients in the public affairs space from lobbying at the local, statewide, and federal levels to digital communications and campaigns across the country. McGuire Woods Consulting has offices in 10 MLS cities, but only advertises on this podcast because it's the home of the two-time reigning Copa Tejas champions which is the most important trophy in professional sports. It says it right here in the ad copy, folks. You can't, you can't do we, that. Yeah, we can't. We can't argue it. It's true. Contact our friends at McGuire Woods Consulting at www.mwcllc.com for more information. All right, we are back, and we're going to try something out a little bit different this week and maybe for all weeks going forward. So listeners, we might need a little bit of help from you. We're going to try to implement a new segment that may end up existing outside of this podcast and therefore needs a name. What we're going for is this is going to be like the biggest story of the week, the most influential, the most interesting thing that happened that week. And we want this name to reflect that. And so We've asked some friends from the Patreon, some other friends as well. Uh, some of the things that we've seen, uh, Moon Tower Minute, Vital Verde. Um, one thing I like, I don't know if we can use this one, but high lights with a space because like a moon tower, the lights on a moon tower are up high. Get it? Okay, never mind. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> use the soundboard to play yourself like a, uh, like a laugh nice. out of that. Oh, wrong button. Perfect. <laughs> or we also have uh, the Moon Tower Power Hour, and then in parentheses in fifteen minutes because it's not going to be an hour long segment. <laughs> um, but yeah, if if uh, I don't did I say Vital Verde? That was one that Vital Verde. Yes, you did. Seem to like so. Uh, if if you like any of these, let us know. If you have an idea of your own, let us know. But I think for this week. I'm just going to make up a name. And uh, before we have a dedicated sound effect on the soundboard, I'm just going to play the rap air horn. (laughs) So (laughs) welcome to this week's Moon Tower Moment of the Week. 
This week we're going to be talking about the EAFC kit leak. So for folks who are on social media, you likely notice that the video game formerly known as FIFA, now called EAFC, accidentally leaked a bunch of MLS kits for the 2024 season. So this is a very grainy photo um, that we've seen on the internet. Jeremiah, I guess for you, like what are what are your thoughts on it so far? Does this what? match your expectations of kind of what we had heard about it? Yeah, that's just gonna say, I think before we get into like what we think about the jersey, it's important to say that 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 what we saw like leads us to believe it's accurate because it aligns with everything that we've heard about the kit in terms of the vibe and the color scheme and you know and everything else so i think there's no reason to believe that it's not legit um we saw it briefly in the middle of jackson crushing jackson bentley's now beat me seven of nine times playing fifa against each other like it, and it showed up in the window but then we like we went to actually play the game you couldn't play the game in that kit so like it's not fully realized yet um but yeah i think we can we can assume it's legit um so i, I one, feel like this this is like the style like Jersey preferences in general. I think this is like too too broad of a stroke, but let's let's create this false dichotomy and say that there are two sides of of kit preferences. Like who do you think will like this jersey if this is accurate and who will not like this one? I think if you like a clean classic kit, you will like it. If you don't like a lot of flair like a collar or buttons or anything like that, you will like it. And if you're looking for something sort of different and super unique and maybe possibly outlandish. Sometimes you will not like it. Is that you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. And like, I, I mean, I've been public on this show is saying that I fall very clearly on one side of, of that debate. And I think like whichever way you're going, if you're going for like the excitement and flashiness and modernity in kits, I'd say the other side that I fall on is probably like the more like classic, timeless understated kind of design you can see i'm wearing this retro uh rugby shirt right now <laughs> that's I'll very like much up my alley but i think there's there's pitfalls going both directions right like if, i think if you're going for something kind of on the innovation or trying to be cutting edge like the the pitfall there is maybe ending up with something kind of tacky or uh, loud or like th thinking of things that like get mocked in retrospect are like, think of like the original MLS jerseys. Like those were trying to be innovative and cutting edge. And we look back at them now and like, that looks stupid. <laughs> but, but, th but those were like being that way just for the sake of being innovative or cutting edge. I feel like there was no underlying message or deeper meaning. And on this one, yeah. I, I mean, you know, on the other end of that is like the year, the Austin's first year where every, away kit was like white with three stripes and a color and like logo in the middle. I feel like this one does a good job of being, you know, being more conservative without being completely conservative. I don't know if you want to talk about any particular elements. Uh, you know, but one thing that I liked is I liked the use of the non badge logo. Yes. The I alternate just think logo. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Just the tree by itself. I feel like it looks so much better than the badge, especially on a jersey like this, because like the badge is kind of busy, right? When you have three colors, you have the outline and stuff. Like I, I love almost anything with just a tree on it. I 
what I'm willing to buy. Yeah, I I think this shirt like definitely you talk about like the risk of of the other side being like making something really boring. I feel like this walks that line really well where it is it leans on the classic side but kind of evokes this like 70s style t-shirt that like seeing Matthew McConaughey wear this in Dazed and Confused would have like would feel natural. And I think you can do like this retro throwback thing in a way that ends up being like a little silly or like maybe lacks like a seriousness to it. And I, but I think this one does it really tastefully. And so, and again, the alternate crest. Uh, and then I also really like the the idea of like playing with different shades of green. This is a thing that you see in world soccer where, okay, yeah, this is our color, but we'll do different tones of it at times. So we saw the mint color with the away shirt for the last two seasons. And this is going to be kind of this muted green color, if this is accurate, which I, I enjoy that they're going to kind of play with that a little bit. One thing I wanted to do today is maybe this is going to be the fifth ever Austin FC Jersey. Let's rank the shirts in order from let's start with least favorite and go to favorite. Cause I feel okay. like we're going to have the same one in the bottom place. In the bottom place? Okay. And I feel like, I will say before we get into this, there's a very clearly lo- clear line between three and four for me. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, see, so, I, gotta, I hate these segments where you just agree. Like, I feel like sometimes <laughs> we should argue more for the sake of arguing. Okay, so my number five is the original away jersey, which we already talked about, the all-white. It's just, it was like so boring. And I understand they had to launch it quick and in a hurry and knew it was only going to be a jersey for one year but I still feel like they could have tried a little harder. Yeah, I, I think every expansion team gets one where MLS and Adidas just like, they kind of shrug and just like, ah, this will work for a year. And this was Austin's for sure. Like the, we'll get to the original home kit in a bit, but this one seemed like they were trying to go for like something modern and something classic in the same shirt and failed at both of those things. Yeah, and I think it's evidenced by when you go to a game, you see a lot of all the other shirts, and you I almost never see any of that white shirt from anybody. Like, even the people that had it the first season have found something else they like better. Okay, my yeah. number four is the barcode kit. I have the, the barcode kit there as well. This one, official name is Las Voces, but has become affectionately known as the barcode kit. I think if, if something's going to be loud... If I'm going to like something on the loud end of things, uh, I want it to have like straight lines, geometric patterns. I think for like visual reasons related to kind of the cut and the fit of it, I like this one less as like streetwear, but I enjoyed it on the field. I liked how it looked on the field on the players. Yeah, I think it's one where like the back of the jersey helped it out. We were talking about in players, like at the back of the numbers helped that a little bit, but this is one I struggled to buy, although I got convinced, you know, eventually to come around and, and buy it before like after the season started. But probably not one I'm gonna wear a lot um going down the road. Because number three for me, although I loved it, is the Sentimiento. Is it the mint? The minty yeah. kit? Mm-hmm. This is where we we diverge, Jeremiah. Okay. Good. So I uh, let's talk I'll, about the I'll, Sentimiento I'll go ahead kit. And go. Yeah. One yeah, wait, I love that it had a moon tower on it, obviously. Um, but I feel like it was a little bit too... It was a little too plain. Then, then comparing 
this one and the one that's coming that we believe is coming out in a couple weeks, it was just it was a little too simple for me. Yeah, I mean, again, I I loved like the understatedness of the mint kit. Uh, I really liked the muted color of green. I liked the material of the kit. Like this is my favorite um, material of any of the shirts because it feels nicer than most of them do. And it also gave like a visual texture. I feel like when this was first posted online, this didn't quite come through. But when you see it in person, there is like a bit of a texture to it, which I, I really liked. So some accused of being boring. Fair enough. That's a matter of taste. But I, I love this one and I'm very sad to see it being worked out of rotation. All right. Well, my number two is the one that's replacing it and being worked into the rotation. So that would be, does it have a name yet? I guess it doesn't yet. We'll no, find out. it hasn't been announced. <laughs> I have reason to believe that we will find out on February 15th uh, what exactly what this looks like. But this is the 2024 away for the reasons that we've talked about. Yeah. So I, I guess let's go ahead to your number one. I get it's going to be the OG stripes. Yeah, which, the OG stripes. Yeah. It doesn't seem like had an official name. Is that right? I don't. They they had the the ad campaign that was like the uniform of Austin or something. A uniform for right, Austin, right. Like that. But and we we, if we you all look did that. Remember? On like where you buy them, all the others have like the legends, Las Voces, Sentimiento. This one just says twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two Austin FC home jersey or something like that. Yeah, that's that's my favorite. So that's your number one. Yeah, that's my number one. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I think this that jersey establishes an identity. Um, Anthony Precourt has expressed his fondness for FC Barcelona with those stripes. I think this jersey is saying the stripes are our thing. That's going to be a constant in this this team. I'm happy with that. Like, I won't say that the stripes is like a ten out of ten for me, but I think it's a eight out of 10. Like, I think it's good. I really grew to like that original kit over time. Um, but uh, yeah, my, my order would be, uh, OG stripes, number two, sentimiento number one. And I guess, are you saying that your number one, the way you did your numbers is number one, this new kit that's coming out? No, no. Number one is OG stripes. Number two is the new kit. Okay. The number new three number is sentimiento. Yep. I, so I'm going to reserve, judgment here until I get to see this new one in person and in greater detail. But from what I've seen so far, I am predicting that this is going to surpass the Sentimiento kit as my number one all-time Austin FC kit. All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah, this is this is good speculation, but you know, the good thing is we won't have to wait too long. Uh, and I'm ex- this is the first one since the, for me, since the very first home kit that I was excited about for the second I saw what I thought it was going to look like. Even the Sentimiento kit, it took a minute for it to grow on me. And when it did, I grew to love it. But this this one, I was instantly like, yeah, this is something I'm going to buy for sure. I'm excited about it. All right. Well, I think we can call that the end of today's Moon Tower Moment of the Week. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to get on to the rest of the Austin FC news. This clip is so long. <laughs> All right. What else do we got, Jeremiah? What other news is happening this week? Uh, we just got a few highlights here. Uh, the next one is we 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 mentioned this, but if you're if you are a season ticket holder, the news came out today that on Thursday, 
you should be on the lookout for an email with a redemption code to watch 2024. All the regular season matches live. I think, I think the important note there is that if your 2023 subscription will expire, so you'll have to redeem that for 2024. So don't wait until you're trying to watch the first road match before you redeem that code. It'll require a new subscription. Um, we've got a watch, an official team watch party uh, on Wednesday. Is it EVO? This is a new new Not partner. a watch party, right? No, sorry, not a watch party, a preseason party. Yeah, there's no games to watch. Yeah. Like a tailgate preview party. And this is what? It's in Dripping Springs, I think. New club partner. Correct. Um, promise meet and greet with a special Austin FC player to be determined. So I guess... So a bit of a drive, but it seems like there's going to be some cool like giveaways and freebies and stuff out there. So if driving to Dripping Springs is not... Uh, a hurdle for you, then maybe check it out. Yeah. Um, we got word that the Macau, this is, as somebody who wants to ride the train to the first match, this is slightly stressful, but the Macau station will officially open on Saturday 24th, which is the day of the first game. And I don't know that the Kramer station will go away on that day. I, know the Kramer I don't station believe so. Is- yeah, so I, I know they are doing some like stress testing and things like that before that day, but it is a little nerve wracking to say like, okay, the first day this is going to be open is the day of that game. Like, if I were a regular train rider, I'm, I'm a South Sider, so the train is not a viable option for me. But if it were, I'd be a little bit nervous that it's going to be opening officially on the day of the first game. Yeah. So and but the station looks cool, right? It's, I think the yeah. mural is going to be there, and it's. It'll open up a lot of access to the other side, um, uh, the other side of the Delta Dent and Donnelly Loop because people will be able to come over. It's kind of unfortunate that Oscar Blues didn't make it through this because I feel like that would have been a great opportunity for Oscar Blues, for people to be yeah. easily able to drink at Oscar Blues, go through the station and get to the stadium in a more convenient way than possible than, than they could before. Um, but still, like ultimately, this is good for transit options for, for fans to be able to get two matches and back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We have some continuing concerning news on the front of the referee strike. Uh, The current deal ends on January 31st, which is tomorrow, the day you're hearing this. And there's very real likelihood of, uh, of a referee strike going into the MLS season. It seems like maybe they're making a little bit of progress, but not enough for folks not to be worried about this at this point. Yeah. And I think um, typically when you think about labor strikes and professional sports, you think about the athletes themselves, you know, and this, it would lead to a whole the season, but I don't think anybody's thinking that the season is going to, going to be in the opening of the season's in peril. It's just what the quality of officiating is when the season opens. And if you're like frustrated by MLS refs now, like wait until we talked about this a week, Talk to Seth, yeah. but like it, these these are golden times. Or last year was golden times. If you're worried about that, I think one of the things that gives me a little bit of concern is that uh, the union also filed filed a tampering complaint, which is a, kind of the thing that doesn't seem like you do when you're like on good terms and ready to sign a deal yeah. with somebody. But maybe when you're like annoyed with somebody and ready for an extended labor strike, so it's something to keep an eye on. And if it resolves itself, we'll definitely update everybody. All right. Well, I think we should take a quick break, then we're going to come back and talk to uh, Austin FC reporter Michelle Sanchez. Hang tight. We'll be right back with that. 
Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Covert Ford. The Coverts have been meeting the needs of local car buyers for 115 years because of their service, financial expertise, and support after the sale. In addition to supporting car buyers, Covert's an important part of the soccer community and the official automotive partner of Austin FC. We want to talk to you this week about a 2023 Ford F-150 XLT, stock number 223-1529. You can get 13107 off MSRP, your 2.9% APR for 72 months. It's not available with any other offer. It's with approved credit, and you can check the website for details. And look, an F-150 is way better looking than a Cybertruck. So if you're in the the mood for a truck, get one of those. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, be sure to check out covert4.com. Tower Soccer is also brought to you by Sage Wilson Realty. The Sage Wilson Realty team is made up of Austin experts who are client-focused and have over 30 years of combined real estate experience. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Realty. Be sure to check them out online at sagewilson.com. All right, we are pleased to be joined by Michelle Sanchez. Listeners will recognize Michelle's name. Uh, She's a freelance reporter covering Austin FC. has been around since the the start of everything. So, Michelle, it's been too long. We should have had you on a long time ago, but thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. I think I had this, um, you know, on my bucket list on podcasts that I wanted to be on. And I think your guys, I mean, you have had big names like Adrian Healy and Mike LaHood and amongst others, a great Ethan Finley last week. So that was a great episode. So I am honored to be here, actually. So thank you for the invite, guys. Well, thanks so much. We're honored. We're honored to have you. So uh, let's start off by just telling telling our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got involved covering Austin FC. Yeah, so I want to say my background is very unique. Um, I am from Austin. People consider me a unicorn. Um, so it's uh, really great. I went to UT, studied journalism. I, outside of, you know, college, I was always a big pioneer of growing soccer in the United States. That's how I was able to meet Grant Walt and build a relationship with him um, because I would introduce him to any projects that I had at UT and he would be my advocate as the American sports uh, soccer writer covering the U.S. men's national team and the women's team. Um, So yeah, I, it was a dream of mine to essentially cover soccer. And then when the news came out that Austin FC was, you know, going to be an MLS club here. Um, I was like, well, I guess I'm not moving to New York or to another part of the country to cover soccer or to be on TV or whatever. Um, So I ended up finding my foot in the door as a production assistant. I worked really, really early hours. I would wake up at four in the morning uh, to just like set up studios. Um, So I would leave by maybe noon and then I would go to a production company that I worked for as a contractor because in college I pitched a show, uh, Discovery Channel ended up picking it up. And so I learned how to be an associate producer um, in the entertainment industry, nothing to do with sports or anything. And yeah, and then eventually the door opened up with Telemundo. Uh, I was working for CBS, but Telemundo said, I was like, hey, do you want to join our 
um, our, you know, newscast? Do you want to be a producer? So I eventually started, you know, putting my foot in the door. I want to do sports. I want to talk to players. Um, I was a media, official media outlet representing them. I got sound for both stations and I found a voice in the soccer community being one of the very, very few women covering Austin FC. Um, and so I've been able to build really good relationships with players, with the community, uh, but definitely trying to be my own advocate of growing this sport here in Austin and a woman of color here. So it, it means a lot. And that's kind of like the short Cliff Notes versions of, of uh, my, you know, my path and journey here. Well, like we've we were we've been involved with this like movement for a long time, right? Before the team had a name, or back in the back in the MLS two yeah. ACX two you know days. I know you were there too. You know, were there any particular highlights of 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 this journey? And like, and or, you know, was there like a highlight? And there was like a moment when like, oh, this is a real thing, and it's going to be a big deal. Do you have any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, when you know when the announcement happened with Alexi Lalas and just seeing Chris Bills there and just all the media here in Austin and it getting national attention. I think that made everything real. I was like, holy moly, this is actually going to be a thing. And I was like, okay, I need to figure out how I want to use my voice in covering this, this sport. But, um, but yeah, it was surreal to me. And my dad was so excited for it. Um, you know, I, one of the first pieces I wrote was with the Austin Monthly um, or for the Austin Monthly on supporters group. And I was so proud of that too, because it was leading up to the, you know, to the season. And it was such a weird time at the same time, because it was then COVID hit and, you know, the whole nine. Um, but I, I want to say, you know, that, that party where I think you were there every Alexi Lalas was there and it just got national attention and seeing people and and other media outlets who, you know, essentially cover just UT football and UT athletics, um, actually painting and, and giving a voice to to this sport. It, it made me really proud of of our city, really. Yeah, that was that was a really cool day. This hasn't Jeremiah, you'll you may have forgotten about this. This hasn't made an appearance on the show in a long time, but I've bought this mouse pad of, it's a picture of me playing drums at that event. And I found this mouse pad on Amazon. Some Italian like bootleg manufacturer was selling these on Amazon for like nine bucks or something. It was like, I have to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, is that, so awesome. That's it's so the cool dumbest thing I own, but it's that was a really special day. Uh, and I, I agree that that's probably one of my highlights as well. Yeah, no, it was it was such a I mean, there's so many moments now that I think back and just so many moments. I mean, even meeting Josh Wolf for the first time. I mean, you have the, you know, the famous Los Acero and, and you know, he was part of that. And obviously I'm Mexican and cover Mexico, but my dad was a big fan of him and, and respected him. So even meeting Josh Wolf and being able to build a relationship with him, it has been really, really cool. I know he's people love him. Some people love him. Some people don't love him. So <laughs> it you, is what it is. <laughs> you just referenced the like U.S. Mexico rivalry and I know you're bilingual speaking both English and Spanish 
what if I, I know like there's like obvious ad- advantages to being able to speak directly with a lot of the players and ask them questions in their uh, in like in their native language. Are there any other advantages that you would that you've noticed being like being able to speak both languages in this in this space? Yeah, I think being able to translate the information to English is very essential because most of the English speaking community is on social media, mostly on X. Um, I think whenever I post things in Spanish, everyone on Facebook is Spanish speaking. So it's very interesting to be able to translate those. It could get a little difficult, but I think that's one of the biggest advantages. Obviously, building relationships and trust with these players. Like you said, they speak Spanish mostly, or some don't want to speak English because they feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, But I think it does give me the upper advantage and the upper hand to build a more comfortable environment so they can actually let themselves loose and, you know, answer tough questions or just, you know, not be so stiff because a lot of the times traditional media their countries their native countries the media is very 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 rough and very to a point hostile towards them and here they kind of you know see and 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 listen and the questions not that they aren't rough but it's just a different type of journalism a lot of the journalism that's done in, in South America and even in Mexico is very gossipy and clickbaity so I don't know, at least in my my work, I try to pride myself in, you know, just asking the right questions and not be as clickbaity, honestly. <laughs> but I know you have to sell headlines and stuff, so I get it. But but yeah, I think that's definitely upper head. And also not having to like rely on translators, right? Like sometimes yes. like having it go from one person through another person to another person and then back through that whole chain again, like the question gets lost or the answer gets lost sometimes and being able to just go direct to the source is definitely a good thing sometimes. Yeah. Cause a lot of the times, even though Emily does a great job, it does get lost in translation as to, or maybe the context, maybe he meant to say it this way, but it was, you know, taken a similar, a, a different way. Um, I know there was something that Driussi was down talking the ATX two players in Spanish. He didn't say that, not at all. I just think it was taken out of context um, when you'd get that, that translation. Um, so I think sometimes it does get lost in translation when when you translate it into English. Yeah, we've got that. What like Landon was trying to translate the Burrell press conference to me in real time, and he's like, "These oh, things I know," and then then he's like typing. He's like, "These things don't quote me. Like these are like, like generally there like a speak language, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't tweet that. Don't tweet that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we talked about you know, sort of your background. I know before we went on, we just we talked about like how to introduce you, and in this modern world, like things are kind of wild. It's like this year, like what, what's your focus for this year? Like how do you define yourselves and like, how do you see the media landscape in Austin and elsewhere like existing? It's not very traditional and it's changing all the time. It is. I mean, journalism in itself, it's, it's um, changing. The TV industry is changing. Everyone's going to TikTok, Instagram, you know, all these other platforms. And so I, I feel like even Univision last week uh, is a former employer of mine. 
they've have laid off a lot of people. You guys saw Sports Illustrated laying off a lot of people. So a lot of us are trying to figure out how to create a platform for doing what we love, journalism, start telling these stories um, for the fans, but while also trying to create content. And to me, there's like a really big gray area. It's like, I'm not an influencer, but I need to tell you, you know, EA Sports, um, you know, leaked a few, you know, kits for this upcoming season. But how do I say that without being like, you know, sounding so uh, like, I mean, on the news desk, right? I, you know, I feel like I need to find an angle as to, okay, these are, you know, kind of like a content creator, like a, a blogger. But that to me is like really out of my element. So it is interesting, even myself trying to identify myself with like, okay, I'm a journalist, but I'm also doing social media or trying to launch this and, and launching my own show and, and trying to take myself a little bit serious, but not too serious because no one wants everyone to be just like stiff and, you know, they, they want some entertainment. So it is definitely very interesting how this um you know how reporters are finding their way to report on certain clubs but also making it newsworthy and not just um uh, you know a fan account so um you know i've talked to people from cbs at golazo and they're also you know launching and, and making their own shows apart just to try to figure out where you know, is the middle ground in, in this space. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a challenge, um, you know, even identifying myself as, you know, a content creator is weird, but I'm definitely going to do that more this upcoming season. And I really want to use my, you know, native language, which is Spanish and do it, do it for the community that's uh, Spanish speaking, but also not, um, you know, leaving my English community out of the loop. So I'm definitely doing more of that. I am hoping um, and putting together, hopefully in the next few few days, I will make an announcement as to uh, what that is officially. Um, I had really good help from MLS in Espanol. Um, and so giving me pointers as to how this should look, uh, because this is, like I said, so new to me. Um, but yeah, I think you will start to see more and more people do this besides, um, you know, fan accounts or, or journalists. Um, so e even Fabian, I think he's a great example of using his platform and his background to, you know, get more followers and hopefully make some money because at the end of the day, we all have to pay bills. And if yeah. you're working, you know, a nine to five, it's really, really hard to do everything all at once. Yeah. That you're, you're referencing some of the troubles that just like, media landscape in general is going through but in mls specifically there are a lot of folks who like some of the more dedicated serious folks covering teams are people who are not doing it full-time and have other jobs and it's it's a real struggle i mean we're, we're in that boat too where we would love to be able to to commit more time to it or to be at more media availabilities and things like that but like until we could make something like this big enough to pay the bills which like doesn't look like it's ever going to happen really like it's yeah. hard to it's hard to justify doing more of that it, it is and you know it's like 
I, I'm, you know, there's several times that I've been discouraged myself where I'm like, what am I really doing? Like, what am I doing this for? Like, maybe I should just go back to the news, you know, the newsroom and do on air stuff, report on news that maybe it doesn't excite me as much as sports. I've thought about it so many times. I've thought about just doing it in English. I've had several offers, not in Austin, um, for me to leave, but I just don't think that the time is right. And if I'm going to take a chance, I might as well do it this year. Um, and if I decide that I can, you know, cause I can always go back, you can always go back, you know, but to what, you know, you have those skills, but definitely learning the business side, the marketing side of things. Hopefully, you know, you become so big and I don't know, ESPN picks up your show or I don't know, another platform, another network where you're finally able to make money. And I know at times it could take away from the journalism, but you just need to trust yourself and what you're putting out is newsworthy and not just, you know, clickbaity. Um, but yeah, so I have a really good mentor. Um, who's teaching me, I'm actually helping her in her comms department with her own um, fashion line. She she does celebrity work uh, for like Beyonce and stuff. So she's teaching me a lot about the business side, the marketing side. And while well, I also try to navigate this Austin FC uh, coverage this season. So, so wish me luck guys. <laughs> It seems what? like you you got you have a lot going on. Um, <laughs> I have a lot going on. You, yeah, you've had a hard balance that that we've thought about. Like, and you're obviously in a position where it's more important. But you know, you're you want to report the news, the information, and convey that, and not make yourself a part of the story. But like where you are, you like part of the business side of it is like you kind of have to make yourself part of the story because you have to like show your value. Yeah, and I, you know, last year I went to UT. And I spoke to a former professor of mine and he called me an influencer. <laughs> I was like, I'm not an influencer. He's like, but I see you on social media. He's like, you are the story. And even at, so he told me, he's like, even in journalism school, we're, tr he's like, we're trying to, to understand this landscape. And he, he was telling me, he's like, I think, you know, traditional journalism is changing. And obviously I, I don't think that's a surprise for anyone, but it definitely is. And, you know, even on-air talent is kind of going away. Telemundo, you know, if you see Telemundo Deportes, Ana Yurka just left. She was offered a, over a million, you know, dollar contract and she decided to leave. Um, and she was highlighting um, that there's also a lack of talent because everyone goes to, tw uh, not Twitter, to TikTok. And, you know, you're starting to see personalities on there. So being able to be that personality maybe on TikTok, that fans, not just Austin FC, but MLF, you know, MLS or other leagues that people want to cover. I mean, you see Fabrizio Rolano, he has his YouTube, right? But it kind of, you know, that's, they, you know, even top talents are kind of, you know, turning a corner. So definitely, like, on that same token, I think that's where, you know, the industry is going and yeah, you're going to have to become the story, I guess, um, while yeah, not really being the focus. I, I, it seems like you took offense to be calling, to being called an influencer, <laughs> but it, you're right that like, that's like, you can use some of those tactics and some of those strategies to, to do real journalism or to do something with a bit more integrity yeah. than what, than what a lot of quote unquote influencers are using their, 
their reach for. (laughs) (laughs) And I should probably not take offense. I should probably be like, you know, oh, thank you. But I think about influencers and I think about like, oh, hey guys, shop on my Amazon, you know, wish list. Yeah. yeah, You know, and I'm just like, (laughs) okay, like, I don't know. It feels weird to me. Um, I've always been camera shy, which is ironic because I worked in TV. I, I know I tell this to everyone. I've always been kind of camera shy, but, um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll embrace it. I'm learning. I'm learning to embrace it. If, if that's what people want to say. Yeah. So yeah. I think the answer to this is probably largely TBD on where people can find your work, but so where can people find from you where they're yeah. going to be able to find your work in the future? Yeah. I mean, for now, let's just keep it at all social media. I've made it so simple. It's Michelle S underscore TV, Michelle S underscore TV. So you can find me on TikTok, Twitter, um, or X, um, Instagram and all that. But yes, there is, um, going to be a newsletter that I'm going to do, um, every post game, um, something written. So there is going to be that outlet to where I want to integrate it. Um, it's going to be in Spanish and English and there I'm going to link everything that I'm doing visually um, to a YouTube channel or, a, you know, a podcast, Spotify, all the above onto that. So more to come. All right. Well, Michelle, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to following your, your work throughout 2024. And uh, yeah, look forward, looking forward to seeing you at some media availabilities as well. Yeah, guys, thank you so much again for having me. Um, Y'all enjoy your evening. And um, I admire the work that you guys do and keep it up. And I had so much fun playing next to you guys at the media. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. You you stuck a tackle in on me one time. But I was like, Michelle is not messing around. No, it wasn't. It wasn't dirty. It was just strong. (laughs) <laughs> so I was a really good center back um, back in my day. I know there was this one moment where I made a girl cry from the opposing team. <laughs> I it's because my dad would always say he would always say if they're there, you know they could hurt you. So always you know have your your body strong and and I work out. Um, you know Jer- Jeremiah knows this. So um, yeah, so I go to the Orange Theory, but yeah, I would always, always, that's a key thing and it's integrated in my system already that I need to go in <laughs> headstrong. And we I, I we came to- <laughs> up against each other at one point and uh, I mean, I'm I'm at the age now where I'm, I play pretty gingerly and go out of my way not to get hurt or to run into anybody. And so I'll just like kind of stick my foot in to try to poke a ball away every once in a while. Yeah. And if I miss it, I'm like, no, oh, it's fine. And you came in on me and like stuck your studs into the ground. Boom. (laughs) And it was like, oh, I'm not getting past her. Okay. I'll just (laughs) chase the ball now. (laughs) I know. It was so much fun. I had so much fun. I was so impressed with Bob Belieu. I was like, okay, Bob. Bob's so good. (laughs) He is. He is. And it was just so much fun. And obviously Cam and Ryan. And and it was so good to see everyone um, that, you know, because sometimes we just get lost in, in, in this media world, but it was so good to see everyone. And I had so much fun and Eric Goodman too. I think I took him out once or twice, which I felt so bad about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Michelle, Michelle Sanchez, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us, Michelle. Thank you. Y'all have a good night.
All right, we want to thank Michelle Sanchez one more time. Uh, again, for as far as plugs we have, be sure to RSVP for our live recording that we're doing February 13th. Uh, be sure any any women looking to get into covering MLS, be sure to attend Steph's event. That link is also in the show notes. And then, uh, yeah, would like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe, as always, wherever you get your podcasts. Come find us on Twitter at LVAHero87, at jbentley underscore ATX, and then at Moontower Soccer on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And then uh, check out the Patreon. We've got some stuff in the works for 2024 rewards. Um, so be looking forward to that. Check out Phil West Substack, fairdayallday.substack.com. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week with more Austin FC news. And Marcelo Tesson, friend of the show, is going to be joining us for our yearly over-under predictions game, which will be very interesting in a year where the roster isn't even full. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that we started last year, yeah, exactly, it's going to be really hard to predict, but one thing we started last year was inviting listeners to participate, and we kind of half did it. This year, we're going to we'll make it worth your while. We're going to yeah. encourage people to like enter. We're going to add some prizes at the end. So it will be fun for y'all to listen and play along with us all year long. All right. We'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Thank for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my god.